What pop star do you feel like this week? Justin, do you have an answer ready to go? Yes, I'm feeling bogged down by the world of academia. I'm feeling exhausted. I'm feeling like I'd like to drive to the nearest beach, take off all my clothes, and cover my nipples with emojis. So I feel like Britney Spears. Oh, <laughs> Kayla, who do you feel like this week? Um, this week, I similarly feel bogged down by academia. I opened a show in Cincinnati, which is really exciting. Um, yes. But overall, everything's, uh, you know, there's a lot on now. And I keep thinking about the quote, um, you know, I've been working really hard and I keep thinking about the quote, until I see some of my notes applied, it doesn't make sense for me to make more from who else but Beyonce Knowles. <laughs> um, Excellent. A queen, I live. <laughs> so we'll move right into our current events for the week. So uh, we wanted to discuss Rihanna um, is very visibly pregnant. She's been out and about at Paris and Milan Fashion Week. She's uh, debuted a few notable looks. Um, Justin, what do you think about what Rihanna has been wearing while she's not making music? Well, I mean, first of all, I'm always excited to see her go to Fashion Week, and it feels like such a like a true sort of joyous occasion to see Fashion Week robust again with people going and us like just getting to look at looks again. Um, I am obsessed with this sort of little slinky lace dress that she wore with the off-the-shoulder coat. I mean, there's nothing new about a naked dress, but there is something new about a naked dress with that's like knee length and she's pregnant like I she has like rejuvenated the naked dress for me and I'm feeling just happy to see her out and making dumb TikToks at fashion week what about you yeah I think that's the iconic look a uh, little black sort of like lingerie dress over underwear that she wore to Dior I think that's the look it's a moment I think you know this look we're gonna see printed and reprinted for years. So um, very happy that she's out and about and wearing clothes sometimes. Yeah. And <laughs> wearing I feel some like clothes. <laughs> we get like, you know, we have two like sort of body on Queens, right? Where we like, Kim also notably wore that sort of Balenciaga caution tape look. And like, she's oh, known right. for like slutty stuff as well. And I just feel like Rihanna always does slutty way better. I just love having Rihanna around. Thank God. Thank God for Rihanna. Yes. She can beat me, but she cannot beat my outfit. Next up, <laughs> speaking of someone whose outfits I could beat, <laughs> we are talking about uh, Dua Lipa being sued by a band. Let me pull up my debrief on the subject real quick. Um, so Dua Lipa is being sued by a Florida reggae band for allegedly stealing the song Levitating. Um, she, uh, The band is called Article Sound System. They allege that they released a track in 2017 called Live Your Life that is very similar to Dua Lipa. So, you know, I have, when you do listen to them back to back, the main, uh, when I listened to them not back to back, I was like, okay, they do sound similar, but I'll just go sort of like, in, for in, like influenced songs sound, have a certain sound, right? Um, 
hearing them back to back, they are in the same key at close to the same tempo, or at least they've been manipulated to be that way. I believe they are in the same key. And that's sort of the biggest thing, I think, is that they have similar lyrics and are in the same key. There's also some talk um, that perhaps this was a, just a publicity stunt for the band's new album, which just released, which is a, sort of a similar thought that I have, which is that um, why now, right? Like the song was at the top, or I think it only got to number two, but it was at the top of the charts like over a year ago. So I, I, I failed to see why we're bringing this up now. Justin, what are your thoughts? Um, yeah, I would agree. I feel like the timing is certainly off because Dua's now finally on her world, world tour, so she's grabbing headlines for that. This band is releasing an album, and so it does seem sort of like the perfect time for them to grab headlines. However, you know, I... I, I understand the sort of the ethics of intellectual property. And I feel like, especially within music, you know, as a pop star, you have to be very careful about what it is you sample and don't sample, use and don't use. And I mean, I think, you know, I love hearing um, people pull from different sounds and aesthetics to create a song. But I think like Beyonce does it so well, right? She pulls a lot of different people and she pays them for their work. And I think that like you have to, someone of Dua's magnitude has to be responsible about where they're getting their music and like has to pay for it. So I kind of see both sides. All right, on to our last item of current events. Lord has appeared on the cover and in the pages of Vogue Australia, wearing the now ubiquitous Mew Mew um, micro mini skirt, usually paired with that sort of Oxford crop top. Um, Justin, what's your take? I hate it. I Really? Just, yeah, I just don't care about this skirt because no one's giving, like you said, it's always paired with that Oxford crop, right? I and it, it gives sort of Best Buy core, but slutty. And for me, I like if you're gonna do it, if you're gonna do this micro mini, which has some merit to it, and is sort of this like you know uh, obsession with the early odds being reflected back to us in fashion, fine. But I I say personalized the skirt and um, I'll go back to Violet Tchotchke who went to the Mew Mew show this week wearing the micro mini as well probably the like 27th notable celebrity to wear the micro mini at least hers was stoned and she wore it with like a black corseted body suit like there was some other sort of styling choice besides the traditional cropped button down so for me if you don't do something new with the skirt then I don't care to see it what about you? I think it's funny because I don't think we've had a fashion girl uniform like this in a long time. And I think it's kind of exciting to see everybody getting behind one basic trend. Like, I think <laughs> it's funny. I think it's cute. And I think we'll look back and be able to pin, you know, pin the look to this very moment. And I think that's fun. You know, like, I do think, is it overdone? Absolutely. Is it uh, often understyled? Absolutely. But at the same time, like, I you know, I think it's been a while since I can remember like one fashion look being worn by so many different people from different fashion aesthetics and all adhering to this like one styling choice. I think it's fun and weird and silly. And I don't care. Like I, I'm glad Lord wore it because of course, like somebody's got to do it. Might as well be Lord. <laughs> it, yeah, it's just certainly might as well be Lord if you were looking at our current pop girl like roster. But I do have to ask, um, what did you think of Nicole Kidman wearing it? Exactly the same, which is, is it good? 
No. Do I love to see it? Yes. <laughs> it's a moment. It's camp. It's stupid. It's, it's, um, yeah, it's camp. It's camp. Yeah. No, I, I, I love it. I agree with you. And I liked it on Nicole specifically because of the, the art of the staging. I loved that. Yeah. Just like little ridiculous. We're talking about uh, Nicole on the cover of Vanity Fair. For those who haven't seen the image, like absolutely Google it this second, please. Yes, it's with maybe the little the croquet and the <laughs> sort of like hy like hyper saturated. Oh my god, um, I love that. And the excessive, like I think that this look uh, beyond uh, uh, maybe more than most deserves excessive photoshop and the photoshop was like to the level of camp which i really yeah. really enjoyed yeah it was like a cartoon <laughs> so good so funny is she still married to keith urban i don't even remember wait how could you not remember they're literally always posting videos of them like sticking their tongues down each other's throats like <laughs> they will not stop you <laughs> <laughs> um okay anything else to say about our current events before we roll on into our album of the week. Nicole Kidman is a lesbian. Okay, let's go. Oh my God, that's <laughs> controversial. Uh, I'm so sorry to say I really think that bitch is straight. Like, I would love for her to be a part of the fam, but I don't. I don't think she is. I think that liking Keith Urban, like, puts you near lesbian culture, but... <laughs> 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 oh, I mean the haircut. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. So we are talking this week. I'm so excited that we are talking about this album, Hotels Motels, um, the deluxe version of Hotels by Jasmine Sullivan. So the original album, Hotels, was dropped on January 8th, 2021. And if you are a devoted listener of a fan, you may remember I listed it one of my top albums of 2021. However, what we are discussing is the deluxe album, uh, deluxe version of this album, which was dropped um, just about a month ago on February 11th, 2022. And this uh, version is expanded by a few tracks. There's a few more voice note sort of interstitials. Um, and uh, the whole thing, actually, the original clocked in at 32 minutes, and there was some debate in sort of the music community as to if it was going to be reviewed as an EP or a full album. Um, and this deluxe version clocks in at about 54 minutes. Um, so about double the length um, and still under an hour. So we're going to, we're going to tackle hotels, um, the deluxe version today. Um, and so Justin, where were you on uh, Janu in January, 2021 and in March 2022 or February. So sorry. Yeah. Okay. So January 2021, I guess is a whole nother story, right? That's, that's mid pandemic stuff. Oh, I was, aren't we still though? <laughs> I mean, yeah, I guess that's, uh, I don't know. I don't know how to marker that. Anyways, I was working at a coffee shop and I didn't enjoy it. And I was living in Kansas city and I enjoyed that. Um, and, uh, I don't know where my head was. What about, and then, oh, and then in February, um, 11th, I would have been here working as a professor, live, laugh, loving, um, 
uh, like where's here for our listeners oh yes here in Springfield I and I will say that this album I you know had not interacted with beyond Kayla putting it on their top five albums list as well as you know putting um pick up your feelings into our bracket which I really really enjoyed um and I was excited to listen to more and I'm like happy that I got to listen to this album um for this review um because it's one of those albums that like you've got to sit down and say I'm going to listen to this top to bottom and then you can really appreciate the quality of it um so I'm happy that I did it for the pod and I'm excited to talk about it what about you where were you in January 2021 in January 2021 I was basically living in my hometown with Cameron um I was teaching remotely at college um here in Seattle and I was fucking depressed. Um, <laughs> and fast forward a year later, teaching at that same college, but physically in Seattle, still fucking depressed. <laughs> and um, uh, just another year under my belt. Yeah. Um, I will say too, and I mentioned this when we talked about Jas- Jasmine Sullivan in December on the pod, is that I just have to mention my history with Jasmine Sullivan, which is, you know, I admittedly was first introduced to her through the G word and that being Glee. And um, I, you know, her song Bust Your Windows was on, I think it was on the pilot actually of Glee. And um, then a couple of years later, her, a few YouTube videos of her in middle school singing and musicals were circulating the internet. And one clip is her singing Home from the Wiz and the other is her singing As Long As You Need Me from Oliver. If you haven't seen the clips, listeners, please. I mean, I honestly, like, I I think that that's <laughs> some of the greatest art I've ever seen in my life is like Jasmine Sullivan at 13 fucking throwing down on home. Like I'm the vocal, like, Oh, everything about it. Um, so anyways, I have been a long time fan of Jasmine Sullivan's, but I've never seen her have the critical or commercial success of this album. And I'm really excited to talk about it because I think that she's long been sort of like skirting this kind of critical reception because I do think she has one of the the greatest voices of her generation um, and like a, a, a real voice for the books. Um, and she has had some good material in the past too. And I think that I'm really excited about the material that's on this album and in the deluxe version of this album. Love. I'm ready to get into it. Let's talk. Okay, let's go. Our first song is uh, the intro titled Bodies. Justin, what do you think about bodies? I love an intro. I love getting something that like is introducing the album, is giving us the, the tone for the album. Um, and I think that this one is written well. We get a few good lines of something that tells us that we're going to get like a frank, honest album about sex and hookup culture. And I think that sort of the literary device, LOL, if I'm going to use that term correctly, of just like, um, like, calling it you know bodies and bodies to refer to like this idea of a body count um is like i think cool and i think done well um i have a question about this song but i'll ask it after you give your initial thoughts too yeah i think it's a great song to set up the um set up the album um i think 
again, this track is sort of dealing with um, like, yeah, again, a hookup culture, but in and body count, but also um, like the the album opens with the lyrics, gotta stop getting fucked up. What did I have in my cup? I don't know where I woke up. Um, I keep on pressing my luck like like this is like and then and then when the sort of like verse hits like the first um words we hear are bitch get it together bitch which just i love, <laughs> i love her her and also that it's delivered in her impeccable vocal um delivery which we'll talk about i'm sure throughout this album but i think that this is a great um way to set up what the album's gonna be about while still being <laughs> unfortunately like relatable in that in that it's someone who keeps making mistakes um both sexually and in terms of like alcohol consumption and um it's also about um like trying to I, I think like trying to work something out through like booze and boys. Um, and I, to me, it's like, it's a short song. It's a little ditty, but like, this does what it needs to. And for me, it's like a 10 out of 10. <laughs> oh yeah. I would give it a 10 out of 10 as well. And I'm glad you brought up the sort of what was in my cup thing. Cause I'm like, I feel like it's that sort of deliberately left vague. Like we're allowed to think that maybe she's just like, you know, trying to process through drinking a lot, like booze and boys, like you said, or like, I mean, there's also like, could she have been roofied? Like, was this like a rock bottom sort of like, like song as well? So I, um, I like it a lot and it is Frank and it is like, it's beautiful. Yeah, I think that I I definitely think that it is both a rock bottom song and a song about like like when we look at the lyrics like there is like all of the onus is on herself in terms of like um there's this verse about like let me rewind I was with my girls I was drinking all this stuff um and so I I don't see in this particular song, the question of like an outside party drugging her. But I don't, I do think that it is about the mess that like, like going out and drinking too much causes for sure. Yeah. Cool. Let's uh, go straight into Antoinette's tale. Yes. Yes. Um, this, um, this is sort of like this. So throughout the album, we have these interstitial voice notes, um, from different women, I think almost entirely black women. There's one man on this though, um, on, on the deluxe version. Um, and Antoinette's tale is sort of ends with the line that something like, uh, they, like they meaning men think the pussy belongs to them but really it belongs to us meaning women um framing the idea of like who owns one's sexuality and that it being like an autonomous thing rather than uh outside parties um so and i think that's a great framing for the album and really um really central to what the album deals with 
Yeah, I agree. I I picked up on the last line as well. I, uh, in my notes, was like, love the last line about the pussy being ours. I think it's nice, and I think it sort of introduces the kind of, and I this is maybe a cringe word to use, but the sort of kind of feminism that we're going to be experiencing throughout the album, which, you know, is, it, it's a specific, like, I think, tone of, like, we're talking about hookup culture, we're admitting our own sort of failures, and we're also talking about what's wrong within it as well in terms of the opposite sex. So I think it's, or the same sex, just the opposite party. I think it's, um, you know, a lovely uh, way to introduce the album. I was like, Antoinette, what a scholar. We live. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you do live. All right, let's talk about Pick Up Your Feelings. Yeah. Um, this I did list on among my top songs of 2021, so I think you already know the gist of how I feel. We did discuss it at a little bit more length in our December episode. Um, but uh, I do think it's a really great song about cheating and the, like, the, the end of a relationship due to cheating, like, the idea that this, this opposite party has to pick up their stuff and also pick up their feelings about the relationship. Um, yeah. There's a strong vocal on it. I do think that the line, the gas, way, the gas is way too expensive, is very prescient. I don't, it, we're recording this on uh, March 10th, 2022, and the gas is way too expensive. Justin, what's your take on this song? I love it. And I, I have a take that I hope I'm not taking from you, LOL, um, which is, it, to me, this feels like sort of the logical progression from Beyonce's to the left. Like, it's a little more honest, mm. a little more brutal. And I think, again, the her poetry really works. And it's, you know, I, it's, I think, her most famous song from this album for a reason. It's like, I, it's at the top of her sort of vocal range through most of it. It feels um, like stewing about a, a relationship that's ended and it's got that sort of urgency and anger to it and it um and i just think it's really really good um so 10 out of 10 of course i also listed it as 10 out of 10 but i have a lot of 10 out of 10s on this album and then a couple that are over 10 so we'll we'll get into those but so far She's at 100% from both of us, so that means something for the first two tracks. Um, <laughs> let's talk about Ari's tale. I think this one's funny just because it sort of introduces this idea of, like, dick worship that permeates the album. Of like, <laughs> I think this is the interstitial where, a voice note where um, Ari's talking about, like, um, she she says, like, she, like, if, like, this sort of sexual relationship she had could have tanked her professional career um but it was worth it because i think she says like the dick was like heaven and then she invokes <laughs> jesus and then apologizes to god and says i'm just speaking my truth um, <laughs> justin thoughts on ari's tale I think you summed it up perfectly. Yeah, I think, again, I love how honest everyone is with this and sort of, the, I, I, it is, I think, really relatable to be like, I was so wrapped up in this person that I did not care about my professional life. And, you know, I think there are light themes of capitalism throughout this album as well. And so... Uh, that, strong themes. Strong yeah, themes. Strong themes. Uh, that, and I like I liked that line a lot of like I almost ruined myself for this person. Um, yeah, loved it. Great. So that brings us right into put it down. And this is when I start sort of making connections between the interstitials and the songs. Like I do wonder about process and which came first because put it down um, is very much about a song where like 
like the the dick is very good um what do you think about put it down i think put it down is nice there's a, a specific moment and i don't know which song came first or maybe they just came at the same time and i should honestly shouldn't be comparing but the the sort of like the the rhythm um is really similar and like the phrasing is really similar to 34 35 um in a certain section and I, I i don't care like i think they both do it really well um and put it down for me um i love the sprinkles of autotune you get at the ends of the phrases towards the end of the song itself and i think like she has this really lovely melismatic quality to how she ends a phrase she's always giving you a riff at the end of a phrase and it, it's a very apparent here um and i like it but for me the songs on the album that are the best are the songs that get them a specific and this one isn't quite as specific for me so i gave it an eight out of ten whoa okay i rated this one an 11. <laughs> i wrote that it's a masterpiece and i also wrote with so funny you bring up 34 35 i also wrote re wishes <laughs> because this song is deploying a lot of the same rhythms that mm -hmm. re does but like re's rhythms are stolen i think primarily from sort of R black artists yeah, and black artists, and here Jasmine is fucking executing it, and I think it's magnificent. I uh, this one has really grown on me. So, and it's one that I don't think I would put have given an eleven out of ten if I hadn't just listened to the album for a few days in a row, right. um, prep prepping, but when i did my most recent listen right before we recorded and i was walking around when this song came on i was like this is good this is good um and it is it's good it's i think it's really good um so let's talk about i think the next is there an interstitial that i didn't write about before on it no it's just on okay, it cool. great um so next one is on it uh what do you think about on it <laughs> I'm so excited to talk about this song. I love on it. Um, <laughs> the first four lines are wild. I just want to pull them up and read please, them verbatim please. because it's just so stunning. Um, I want to sit on it. So tell me why you deserve it. Come on and prove why I should move. Spit on it. Yeah. Those are the first four lines. Um, That's actually also, I think, the chorus yes it with, is with some with some variations but it, it gets repeated is my point <laughs> yes it gets repeated um and it's just so funny but i i want to call it camp but i don't think that it is camp because it's delivered with like a, such a melancholia to it which mm. is so interesting um i think this is this is by far my favorite um uh, feature on the album i think that their voices meld so beautifully together um and i also lo love the run that um specifically J i think it's jasmine does after the word positions um mm. there, there's just like a, a sensational run there but i saw i said that this is jasmine's for good from wicked um 11 out of 10. <laughs> oh my god that's so funny so this song to name the the other artists on the track and the co-writer here is ari lennox mm -hmm. um and yeah it's a fantastic duet it's so good um 
I and it's so explicit. Um, it does. It makes me laugh. For for me, the vocals are better than the song. For me, the vocals are like a fifteen out of ten. Like they're mm-hmm. flawless. They're extra. They're everything I want. The song's like an eight out of ten. Um, even though we do get the phrase "spit on it" and it's reprised as "I'll spit on it," but you know what? The at the end we have this like ooh like thing that they're singing together in in harmonies, and it really is reminiscent actually a part of um the uh flower duet by if anyone's an opera stand here the leo de leave uh flower duet um in in their harmonies um and i just love hearing those sort of uh like classical overtures in uh this r&b pop album um and i yeah again i think this probably averages out to like a nine or a ten but i think that the song is not as good as the vocals on it but the song does have the vocals on it so i don't know it has the vocals and the vocals are so stunning and it feels like the high art slut pop too like i don't know what did you rate this again um 11 out of 10. Okay, well, I don't disagree. Let's talk about Donna's Tale. Yes. Um, Donna's Tale is one of my favorite uh, interstitials on the album, which I only really heard what was happening because there's a lot of laughter on this one as I was listening today. So Donna's Tale appears to be a group of women and I think like sort of talking about primarily like the economics of sex, like sex to get what you want, sex as currency. Um, Justin, any takes on this interstitial. I had a a similar response. I wrote Donna reminding us all that we're all turning tricks regardless of our job job title. Yeah, I think there's this part where she's like, if you have a husband and you have sex with him one night, you're hoeing too. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, uh, and then every, all the other women who are in the room are like, yeah, I'm hoeing. (laughs) Um, So we have uh, the next song is Price Tags featuring Anderson Pack. Um, Take on Price Tags. I like this one a lot. And I think that Anderson Pack's verse is really strong. I like the line about the Lexus from 2012 that she hasn't paid off. And I like... Yeah, that's a great line. It's so good. And I also love the, like, I paid for nursing classes and now she wants to be a makeup artist. Yes. It's stunning. The references to culture throughout this album are all really strong, succinct, and feel like someone who, like, understands the working class, whether or not Jasmine does, which I think she does. Um, It's, I think, a a strong song. It's fun. Um, And I would give it, I, I gave it a nine out of 10, I think, just compared to the rest of the album. But I like, it a lot your thoughts yeah i gave it a 10 out of 10 Uh, originally i think i gave it an 11 and then i was like calm down (laughs) (laughs) not everything on this album can be an 11 um but you know like when we're giving it's hard because if you give Lindsay lohan a seven (laughs) (laughs) then it's like how do we <laughs> How do we we'll use the same scale? We can't. We simply, or we can, and everything's a 15. Uh, but uh, yeah, this song, again, I think it's just so interesting that this album is ostensibly about hookup culture, but it actually really goes deep into economics and gender and like the intersections of the two in this way that I just think um, it 
it hits me more and more the more I listen to. Like it gets deeper the more I listen to it. And I really appreciate that. I think that's cool. Yeah, I think it's like a 10, but um and I do like Anderson Pack's verse. I think it's good. Yeah, and we're really critical. I will say we're not critical of women on this podcast, but we're very critical of men in their verses <laughs> on this podcast. No, totally. Well, and especially I think like well, I think this song is interesting because it does play into gender stereotypes of like Anderson, even in his first, which we like, is very like, you're kind of like a money sponge, like you're kind of like taking advantage of me. Um, and we still like it, which means the quality is like, excellent. Yeah, the quality um, is there. <laughs> but I think it's, it's, it's weaponized as social commentary less than pure sort of like misogyny, right? Like there's, there's something happening with the lyrics instead of just like you're soaking up my money it's like it's weaponized in a way and i think that that's i i i just think it's it's really strong yeah the, i think the specificity of like i'm not he's not just like ragging on a woman for like asking for some like money to to help support a child like it's more about like she wants to be a nurse she wants to be a makeup artist and like this person is like you know feels a you little bit play off her Lexus Lexus. <laughs> from 10 years ago. oh i love it okay uh, antoinette's tale um uh, this is i think this is the one queer tale we get yeah is this Antoinette's tale or is this um, Rashida's tale? I thought oh, you Antoinette know, I was... have things. I have things a little bit mixed up. You're totally right. Antoinette's was at the very beginning, so it's Rashida's tale. Yeah. Yes, Rashida is queer, and this is a a, 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 a heartbreaking tale about um, you know like falling in love with someone at the at the age of twenty, and then um, cheating on that person, and then losing that person. And it's really I, I this I think was probably my favorite spoken word just because of the um, honesty with which this person was telling it and I think that it really these themes really sort of directly bled into the song following it and so um, I just thought it was a nice uh, a, a nice interstitial for sure yeah, this one definitely stands out. Um, and also the narrative about like making a mistake and losing someone through your own actions, I think, especially in a queer context, like I, I really appreciated the inclusion of this particular interstitial. Um, and it's one of the more memorable ones for sure. Um, let's talk about it in conjunction with Lost One, um, the song that follows it. I love it. I, I, I wrote very little notes on it, this other than that this one is heartbreaking. It feels modern. And I like having this on the album to sort of balance it out. Like Jasmine's really giving us a, like a, a, a really nice depiction of uh, of romantic culture and capitalism. And, you know, yeah, like so, and of so much. And I just think that this one, the vocals are there. She's obviously a masterful R&B artist. And so it, it tugs at the heartstrings immediately. And I think it's very, very good. What do you think? Yeah, I think I wrote that this one's so fucking sad. Like, it's just um, really specific about an, the end of a relationship. I pulled out the line, don't have too much fun without me. Try not to love no one. And then following that up with, like, I know I'm being selfish, like, uh, it's really sort of like raw and honest about losing a romantic relationship, but also about being at fault for that. Like, I think it's complex and specific and beautiful. The vocals for me are a 15 out of 10. The song's a 10 out of 10. I don't know how to rank this one because I think that, like, I think it's probably a 10, closer to a 10, but like, 
the vocals on this one it's just really i mean it's exceptional yeah so good i i think i'll go 11 and i also just want to point out like that i don't know i just feel like 10 years ago we would get an album about a breakup and it would be very one-sided. And like, there have been artists in the past that have like admitted their faults on a record, but this one just hits in a different way um, of sort of like owning up to your own shit within it. It also kind of like, SZA I think is a masterful at owning up to her own shit as well. And like, I like this movement within music um, is what I'll say. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's, um... Yeah, I and I think too as as far as I know I'm I'm looking at the credits on this one but I think uh yeah it's she is one of the songwriters and she has a co-songwriter Dave Watson who pops up on this album I think a couple of times but um I'm just kind of in awe of her like songwriting ability and then the ability to execute it like we can see great songwriters like taylor swift executing with their the instruments they were born with and then we see jasmine executing with the instrument she was born with and it's like they're both <laughs> great songwriters and then one of them has an instrument you know yeah no shade, taylor but like you can't stack up you just can't. <laughs> no shade but like keep writing for other artists right 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 oh, keep writing for yourself like she's yeah. writing some beautiful songs for herself but and i think they mean a lot when they're performed by her it's just like you know you can really hear um when when jasmine's singing her own song you can really hear it and i think i don't know there's something exceptional about that yeah so the next song or, or the next track, I believe, is Precious's Tale. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, which is about sort of not having money as a kid and then seeking that out in a partner. Yeah. I wrote Precious, Precious wants money and a man who also makes money. <laughs> um, so that leads into the other side. Thumbs on the other side. I think this is, like, now looking back after a little bit of distance, I think this is maybe one of my favorite tracks on the album. It's so fucking good. It's just it's so, so fucking stunning. And the, the line, I hope these titties get me out of this city. I wrote that one down, too. <laughs> well, and it's followed by the lyric, uh, I think I paraphrase poorly here, but it's followed by the lyric, I know I'm too pretty to do nothing with it. Like it's a again, like it's it's tying gender and sexuality to economics, which I think it's just I mean, it's such a fact of life, but like so few artists really go go about that in a meaningful way. And I think that Jasmine here is like really penning something um yeah, something really deep and also fun. Like I also like the lyric about She's uh, having two kids with us from a surrogate and she's getting facelifts and she's a soccer mom getting wasted, but she's not basic. Like, <laughs> this, this, song, this song has a, like some of my favorite lyrics on the album. Plus it's kind of a fucking bop. This is a 13 out of 10 for me. I have to agree. I, also, one more lyric. Well, let's just read lyrics from this song. <laughs> let's read the whole <laughs> um, She has get my ass done fat transfer as a parenthetical. <laughs> yes. Well, and she it's also, so like, I really like, it, this is a song where she's like, um, I'm going to move to Atlanta. I'm going to find me a rapper. Uh, find me a booty. Like, I love this song. This song, this song is 
something else. This song is amazing. Yeah, I, I really think that if there is a revolution tied to wage inequity, they're going to point to this song as one of the precursors to it. I'm well, just saying. It's also, it's also hopeful, right? Like, it's about dreaming about the future, and, like, she can't help but dream in capitalism, you know? Like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love it. I love it. Okay, so right. <laughs> the next, uh, do we, oh, I think we have an interstitial that I didn't write down here, which um, is yeah, it's Amanda's, Amanda's. and she tells us about, she talks about body image, Instagram, and, like, her being like, oh, I see all these uh, other hoes on Instagram, but she's like, and I may not be as beautiful as them, but sex is my superpower. Um, I'm really good at sex, which comes up a little bit in the deluxe version as well, but um, I also wrote, I'm too lazy to be this as good at sex as Amanda is, but... Uh. <laughs> no, I mean, Amanda puts effort in, which <laughs> I appreciate about her. Um, but that brings us to the last track of traditional hotels, um, mm-hmm. Girl Like Me, which is a collab with, with her, ladies, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Huh. <laughs> I love this track. Um, it also brings up for me, you know, my rule about um, name checking a, a brand. It should be well tied to the themes of the song, and the just the idea of talking about Fashion Nova again. Just <laughs> I'm wet thinking about it. I just love <laughs> that she brings up. Um, I should like I should buy some dresses from Fashion Nova, and all these like guys are gonna love it. I, it's I, and that's a, a heavy paraphrase. Um, but it also is I feel like this song is really good for me listening to it now that we're sort of in the thick of like alt Twitter culture (laughs) I feel like I woke up maybe two months ago a month ago and everybody had an alt Twitter where they're putting all their porn on and this feels very like OnlyFans alt culture aware and it's a good song Um, what do you think? Yeah, I wrote that it's a great, great song, masterpiece, 13 out of 10. Um, (laughs) I think there's, you know, again, some great lyrics here uh, about, like, again, sort of, like, like, weaponizing sex as a gateway to love, you know? Like, you don't love me no more. And then, like, the the idea that, like... um, the the lyric that keeps repeating is like you're gonna make a hoe out of me like the the idea that like we're again tied back to the interstitial that happens directly before this that like um in relationships people weaponize sex as like a staying mechanism um and use it as a shorthand for intimacy and like that's such an interesting idea you know like that is then musicalized here so i don't know i really like it i think her her i'm lukewarm on her but like she sounds great on this song i've seen them perform it together live it's a great collab so like i'm fully on board for this i think the phrase weaponizing sex as a staying mechanism is a stunning phrase i'd like you to write a whole play about it um and i think you've perfectly encapsulated this song it's not my favorite i would give it a 10 out of 10 oh well <laughs> no i mean maybe it is a 10 out of 10 because it's not my favorite either but when it comes on i'm like singing attempting to sing along because i can't like this is what i like about an album is if i i can only hit a certain percentage of the notes i'm hooked i'm like (laughs) let me listen to it again i got it next time you know (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> oh my gosh. Should we get into this deluxe? Yeah. So the deluxe starts with Issa's tale from who else but Issa Ray. This is my f- hands on my feet. And it's not just because it's Issa, but like, I think like this is the most narrative archy of them. Um, do you want to give us a rundown? Um, I don't know if I could do it as good of justice as you, but Issa is telling us about a boy that she was with for a while, and like you know, the sex was pretty good, um, and like they've been dating for a minute, but then he got a job overseas and he had to leave for overseas. So Issa goes over to his house. To, he's like, "Come help me pack. This is the last time they're gonna fuck," and they both kind of know that it's the end after that. And he is a four pump, pump and dump kind of a guy, and she's pissed because he did not put in the effort for their last sort of sexual encounter before they never see each other again. The kicker is the last thing that Issa says on this track is, I'm so glad I was cheating on him. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, so I love a punchline. I love a punchline. Incredible. Um, and that leads into tragic, which I categorized in my notes as Maxine Waters fanfic. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> they, it uses a sample uh, of reclaiming my time, and then she musicalizes the frame, the phrase throughout the song. I think it's really fun. It's not my favorite. It's like an eight point five to nine, but like like the novelty is really strong. What do you think? I agree with you completely. I think novelty is a great word for it. it like the idea, the idea of sampling Maxine Waters makes me smirk, but it only is works once. And then if you listen to it again, it's not quite as high quality of a song as the rest of the tracks on this album. But we love a gimmick. We do. Yes, of course. This is as close. Well, there's a number of camp elements on this album, but this is one of them. Um, <laughs> next up, we have Jazzy's Tale, which I believe is Jasmine herself talking about what it was like to be sort of like, I, I believe she self-identifies as like a young, fat, black girl and how that was made, like the societal parameters around that led her to um, believe that she was perhaps undeserving of love. And so when she was in romantic relationships, it was unhealthy because she was getting this, uh, she was putting a lot of weight in into being validated by other people. Um, it makes me sad. Uh, Justin, any thoughts on this one? This one makes me sad as well. I um, and I think that it's supposed to sort of be similar in vain to um, to our. Uh, I'm so sorry um, to our sort of ballad, our other ballad that we talked about that we loved. Um, and I like it, but I, um, I I I hate saying this, but it's really not my favorite. I think it's probably the lowest on the uh, the lowest song for me which i don't know it's about a toxic relationship and it's it's it it gives you kind of platitudes about a toxic relationship in the writing and it just doesn't feel strong enough for me compared to the rest of the stuff on the album so i gave it an eight out of (laughs) ten um yeah totally i mean i think that the vocals here are like really what's bringing my rating to a 10 out of 10 (laughs) in just that um this phrase though i don't need you like it's um, I, I agree that this song isn't the best song on the album, but it's still executed with so much like deep feeling and impeccable vocal that for me, it's a perfect score. Like, I don't know. <laughs> um, I, I, you know, I, I think though the, the average score we're talking about for this album 
as we near the end is a 10 out of 10 for me. And so this is an average song on the album, you know, <laughs> like, it's just like, um, like well-written, uh, good, exceedingly good vocal. Sure. 10 out of 10. Um, yeah, yeah. but, uh, next it's followed up by bro tale where we get our first man in an interstitial, just talking about how I think he talks about how a woman sort of like he said she pulled a me on me like he cleared his roster for her and then she was like I'm seeing other people um so uh then it's followed by the song roster which for me is the low like it's 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 the lowest song on the album like again I think this is this is like a a Lindsay Lohan 14, but it's the Jasmine <laughs> Sullivan 7. I love you for saying a Lindsay Lohan 14. <laughs> I, there's something about this song for me that does make its way into full artistry. And for, I, for me, it's the, the chanty quality of like the chorus. Um, and I'm pulling up the lyrics now just to kind of um, get into that. But like... Um, the, the, she does, so don't get feelings, you don't even need it, I'm not stopping my prime, like, it's, she does that in almost like a chanty sort of one note, um, like, thing that's like, that feels, for me, and this is maybe projecting on the song, but it just feels like that thing that you have to tell yourself over and over again to sort of survive hookup culture, um, like, don't catch feelings, everything's fine, This you're just, like, fucking around, blah, 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 like, it feels like something that you're, like, a monotonous chant that you have to tell yourself in order to keep going, um, even though you're, you're, you're hurt every time something goes wrong, and you're hurt, every, or, or you feel good every time someone validates you, and so I like it. I think it's art. I don't think it's the best song on the album but i would give it a 10 of 10 <laughs> i was like i have to give one of these songs less than a 10 out of 10 <laughs> and it was roster um okay next up we have uh uh mona's tale um which i don't have notes on but it's about pussy yeah, it's another, it's a, similar to the one where, like, I'm sex is a superpower, but it's Mona being like, I am great in the bed. Yes, absolutely. And that leads into BPW, which stands for Best Pussy in the World. Yes. Um, I wrote in my notes, this is a legitimately artistic song with great <laughs> vocals about having best pussy in the world. 12 out of 10. <laughs> okay, I also want to put out there, point out there's a line where she says, I don't just want your heart, I want your soul. Like, it, the vocal that she's turning in on this song about pussy, like, it's, it's out of this world. I think that this song is really good and fun and artistic. <sighs> and also when we like, like compare and contrast with this and WAP, like it's not that one is better than the other. It's that one has like, sort of like, um, uh, like, like superhuman level singing on it. Like this, this song is, I just love it. <laughs> I think that again here here we get camp again if we're gonna identify camp we've got some camp here it's literally I, called best pussy in the world that's camp. <laughs> that's camp that's camp I wrote in my notes one line uh pussy bravado song set to a plucky guitar um mm -hmm. 
which yeah. but, and I don't say that to undermine the quality of the song. I think it's really, really lovely. I it needs seems, just a little plucking guitar. <laughs> just a little plucking, and then we were singing. It sounds like something that could go on a remake of uh, the Princess Bride, but like dirty. I swear <laughs> to God, <laughs> that's so funny. <laughs> um, what's your rating for BP Deb? Uh, 10 out of 10. <laughs> Incredible. Next, we're up to Shanti's tale. Oh, this one's about like the man wants to have fun. Shanti is saddled with responsibility in an actual life. The man's only interested in the parts of Shanti that are fun. And Shanti's like, you can't love any of me unless you can love all of me. Yeah, I'm gonna say something that you're gonna throw up at. I can already tell. Oh, I can wait. Anyways, um, I this album for me because of because it's set up with these interstitials and then a song really feels episodic. Really kind of feels like the logical progression from Sex and the City to sort of like a 2022 R&B album. Pause for throw up. Sorry. Okay. No, I'm I'm good. Um, <laughs> no, I, I think that you're onto something in that it is like I think you're onto something academically speaking in that it is episodic and I do have questions about how each of the smaller parts influences the whole, but essentially we're looking at snapshots of a life dating sexually as a modern woman you know i think that there are a lot of parallels to be drawn right and that sort of tie between like sex sexual capital economic capital and uh yeah those two like, well but i do think that this 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 where i would draw the line is i do think that this episode this this episode this album can't deal in as much detail as sex in the city does because sex in the city is now a franchise that's been many decades but it, it also does go into more detail particularly about economics of sex here whereas sex in the city frequently has dubious economics where like these women are able to afford all these things that they would ordinarily not be able to afford. And oftentimes I find in this series, economics between them and the men they date don't come up, whereas it's a constant theme of this album. Mm. That's where I think this album's really, um, really delving into something murky and interesting. Um, because I, I do think it's something we've got to talk about, um, especially that there's still like, a huge pay gap and especially that there's still like sexual politics about like who who pays at dinner, who pays for drinks and what does that what does that mean? You know, like, um, unfortunately, that's still a conversation we're having. Um, but I would uh, counter if I can. I yeah, feel please like, counter. Like Miranda, not even just like that. We don't talk about the doofusification of Miranda, but Miranda. I'm KDS. <laughs> but Miranda in the original series has to reconcile typically making more money than her like romantic counterpart parts like, and like the subway sandwich man. Yes, sure. Or Steve. Um, or like, Steve. Yeah, her like wanting to buy a suit for Steve and then Steve breaking up with her. Like just sort of like, and there is a line like, I want to, I've made enough money in my life. I can handle myself. Now I want to make, I want to find a man that makes his own money as well. And so I think that there are some parallels. And I think that just even including Issa Rae to give you this sort of episodic tale of, of her life and then creating a song about it has 
I don't know. Well, also, HB- also HBO. HBO. Oh, HBO. <laughs> um, so let's talk about the last song on this album, Selfish. Yeah. Um, this one is uh, up-tempo compared to some of the other stuff. We get like a, a, a you know, a little bit more pluckiness. LOL pluckiness. We get a little bit more fastness. I, I didn't love this song. I think that this one gets better on repeats for me and personally. I think the song's an 8 out of 10, but the vocal is giving. Like, mm. I listened to it today with my little earbuds in, and the the vocals, I mean, it might even surpass a lot of the other songs in this album, which is saying something. So, like, I think I have to even it out to it. <laughs> <laughs> You went out to like a 10 out of 10 because the vocal's so incredible. The song's like an eight. The song is fine, but like the execution though. I don't know. I don't know. I love that. Um, So thank you for bringing this album to like my attention and to hopefully our listeners' attention as well. I just if you're not listening to Hotels, this was the number one Pitchfork album of last year. Um, and Pitchfork, you know, they're snooty. Um, and <laughs> I also just have to say that I think the reissue of this album and the expansion of the tracks, like, I just love that there's more content to listen to because Jasmine Sullivan's last album before Hotels was like, it was six years ago you know, six years before hotels. And that the fact that then she's like putting out six, six ish new tracks within a year, it just makes me really happy and really excited for her career. And I think she gave an interview where she said something like, I can't see another six years going before I put out another, another significant work. And I, I'm so, I'm so grateful and thankful for that because I think she's such a strong artist um, with, just a beautiful instrument and um i'm really excited to see where her career goes from here um so that brings us into our favorite section what are your favorite tracks from this album justin um so i have to say the other side um and then the lost one and then pick up your feelings would be my top three from this album what about you definitely the other side Hmm. Oh man, this is tough. Uh, the other side, I think probably Girl Like Me and maybe BPW. <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping BPW would make it on your list because it really. I love that song. It's so good. It's catchy. Um, so that brings us to what we rate our album. And traditionally, we've been rating the albums on a box wine system where Franzia is the. Uh, worst. Um, we have Boda Box as a middle ground, which is wild because it's nothing. <laughs> if not a middle, it's not a middle ground, rather. And uh, our highest ranking being a Boda Box with the the creme de la creme being Cabernet Sauvignon. But we have been uh, almost exclusively not using that rating system recently, and just rating the albums based on beverage. So, <laughs> Dustin. What beverage do you think this album is? 
I think um, for me, it has to be a cosmopolitan made with Grey Goose vodka. Um, I think ah. it's aspirational wealth. It's like got that tang of a lime to it. It's incredibly alcoholic. Um, and I just, and I love a cosmopolitan. So I would give it that. What about you? I think if we're going by the traditional rating system, for me, it's it's a Boda cab, so, which I... I just think this album is really high quality and it's going to stick around for a while. I'm, I'm glad we're reviewing it now a year after it came out. And I, I feel like, you know, today I listened to it once and I was like, I was like, I'm going to play it again. You know, like <laughs> I, it's really rare that I listen to an album. And like, I, I think there's more to hear, you know? And, and that's what I think about this album is every time I, I hear it, I get more into it. And that, I, I don't think that's the case with a lot of albums. Um, and I think it's really great listen to all at once. And I think it's also great when you pull out tracks. Um, I do think that this feels a little different than a Cabernet Sauvignon. I don't know what it feels like, but it kind of feels like to me like a, um, it feels kind of like a nightcap, like, like just some, just some, like, like it feels, it feels messy too. Like, I think that's part of why I like it so much is that it's not perfect, perfect. Um, it, it feels like some fucking Hennessy in a glass at the end of a night, you know? Like, it mm -hmm. feels like the last drink you had and then you go to bed. Yeah, I think that there's a lot to that in, sort of in terms of the last drink, like, before you go to bed. I couldn't tell you what, I couldn't expound upon it, but I think that's fairly, really, really profound. <laughs> profound. Um, and now we may or may not have someone joining us. Oh my God, we're so, we, the presenters of Art Popping Bottles, are so excited to bring to you Hotels. We're going to give you the definition of a farming tool. And then two choices. <laughs> and you, the contestant, get to ch <laughs> guess, or maybe, maybe you know it. Maybe you know it. <laughs> Between the two. Oh my God. No stealing, because we only gave you two, because we figured that giving you more than two would be a little intense. So. Wait, why don't you think we can farm? <laughs> We're good at farming. <laughs> We're farmers. <laughs> Us and Nicole Kidman, yes. we can farm. <laughs> um, okay, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm yeah. ready. Here we go. Okay, so um, each of you are going to get six. Okay, ready? Who wants to go first? Oh. I'll go first. Kayla goes first. Oh, no. <laughs> okay, Kayla, you're going to go first. I'm ready. Are you ready? Yeah. A bell-shaped glass jar used to protect plants in cold weather <laughs> is called a cloche or a pie comb? Spell pie comb? P-Y-E-C-O-M-B-E. C-O-M as a Mary B-E? Yes. That's specific, but I think it's a clush. That's correct. Ooh. 
Great job. Off to a, a wonderful, unexpected start. Number two. Fucking <laughs> shade. The producers have never been this outright mean to us. <laughs> We're like, you won't, you won't know farming. Fuck you. <laughs> okay. Um, we went over the pronunciation of this before, but I don't remember it now. So I'm going to really give this one a go. Number two. A pair of pruning clippers for use with one hand. <laughs> Is that called cicaders or loppers? Loppers. Nope. It's cicaders. Uh, I should have gone with that because of the pronunciation thing, but I thought you guys were just making a fun play on cicadas. <laughs> It might not even be pronounced that way. Number three. <laughs> Kayla, are you ready? Absolutely. All right, here we go. This tool is used to cut netting around or cut into hay bales. Is it a scythe or is it a silage knife? Spell it. S-I-L-A-G-E, knife. And, and, and can you read the question one more time? Used to cut netting around or cut into hay bales. Yeah, silage knife. That's correct. I'm a farmer. What can I say? <laughs> the future farmer of America. Number four. This tool, Justin, is used to dig out weeds without displacing the soil. Okay. Is it a loophole or an auger? Okay. Wow. A loophole or an auger? I mean, frankly, uh, it's probably auger, but in honor of hotels, I'm going to go with loophole. You got it. Yay. Okay, so I was once in Future Farmers of America, just because you said that. <laughs> But I can't believe an auger. Wow. You know, something else, apparently. Number five. This tool is used to bend and tie hardware wire, usually around rebar rods or fence posts. Absolutely. Is it called <laughs> a tether or a whirly gig? <laughs> I'm gonna say a tether. Nope, it's a whirly gig. Farmers are weird. And I'm one of them. <laughs> All right. Number six. Okay, uh, where am I? Number six. A tool used to break up or loosen compacted materials like soil, rock, or concrete. Is it called a spud bar or a spreader? Okay, well, read the question again. <laughs> this tool is used to break up or loosen compacted materials like soil, rock, concrete. Is it a spud bar or a spreader? God. Uh... I'm going to go with what I don't think the answer is because that helped me last time. 
So spreader. Spud bar is the correct one. Damn. <laughs> Unforge. All right. Can you, Kayla, it's going to be your turn if you are unmuted. I am. This tool is a short handled shovel used for digging holes for planting. Is it a San Angelo or a trowel? Trowel. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> All right, number eight. This tool is used to break up and smooth out the surface of the soil. Okay, isn't that the same question you asked? No, that was not the same question because this one is talking about the surface of the soil. <laughs> Uh, that was compacted materials like soil, rock, and concrete. All right. This is a dibble or a harrow, a tool used to break up and smooth out the surface of the soil. A dibble or a harrow? Dibble. Nope, it's a harrow. <laughs> if Whirly Gig was right, then so should Dibble be. I know, Dibble is cute. So should Dibble be. <laughs> Dibble is such a cute little cutie. Okay, number nine. A chimney-like structure used to protect plants from frost. Is this a selective inverted sink or a, a grubber? <laughs> it's a selective inverted sink. Stupid. <laughs> that makes no sense. Absolutely not. Fuck that. All right. I That's fucking right. hate farmers. Let's go. We respect all, right. all workers on this podcast. We do. Including field it's, workers. Especially yes. field workers because I need food. I love denim. I, I never thought I would feel like Paris Hilton and Nicole Richie from The Simple Life, but here we are. All right, yeah. number 10. Here we go. This tool is used to connect a draft chain or whipple tree to a cart. Is it a clevis <laughs> or a dike? <laughs> 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 no, it's a funny it's a funny question. You guys did a good job. Dyke. Nope, it's a cleavage. Oh, God. <laughs> That's a really funny. <laughs> Cleavis and butthead. <laughs> All right. Are you ready for number eleven? It's got a theme. Sure. All right, number eleven. A stubby. <laughs> nail removal tool used when a hammer is too large <laughs> is it a, <laughs> is it a dog's leg or a cat's paw <laughs> oh i know this pretty much i will just note for all of our listeners listening in that all of our <laughs> Producers are laughing right now. <laughs> um, wait, so dog's leg or cat's paw? <laughs> and it's for what? A stubby <laughs> nail removal tool used when a hammer is too large. Okay, this is stupid, but cat's paw. You're right. You're so right. 
It's the only one I knew. I thought you were going to ask us something with like a brush hog, but we're at the last question. We are so at the last brush question. Hog. Someone 12. in 4-H? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Are you ready? That's only one H. This could be an important question if you guys are close. <clears throat> I were not. Okay. <laughs> Number 12. This is a blacksmithing tool that is inserted into a hole and an anvil, making for an upright surface against which you hammer hot metal. Is it a hardy or a macaroni tool? I only heard inserted and hot metal. Um, so let's go with Hardy. You're right. Yeah, cool. It's a Hardy. Oh, good. It's a Hardy. <laughs> oh, what fun. All right. So it seems to me like Justin has scored out of a possible six points. Two points. Great job. And Kayla has one with four points. Yay! Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you to everyone who supported my growth as a person who recognizes some terminology with regards to agriculture. Um, and especially thank you to agriculture workers who are the backbone truly of our society. And thank you to our producers for putting together these wild questions. Never thought we would be trafficking in this on this episode, but thank you for these Questions around hoes for hotels. Um, thank you to our listeners for tuning in. Um, you can always like, rate, comment, and subscribe. We would particularly appreciate any reviews you happen to want to pen. Again, we're just people recording <laughs> about pop music. So, truly, any adjectives you want to throw at us, like. <laughs> Great verbose. <laughs> Too long. Good. We'll take them. After yeah. three years of potting, I care less what you have to say about us, but I would love to read it. I don't think we'll adjust in any way, but I think that I would love to read a review. Um, and thank you most of all to our uh, producers who keep us afloat, Cameron Choi, Aaron Burnett, Jeremy Smith. Thank you for fucking doing what you do. Um, we appreciate you. We, um, and we just want to say, um, live, laugh, love. Good night. Good night. Good night.